everyone knows their own kind of limit. Like for example, and this comes down to human behavior because we live in a world where there's so much variety and mass consumerism and materialism. Naturally, there will always be temptation. It will always exist for everyone in every sphere of whatever tempts you as a person. But then it's down to you as an individual of having that control and no one can make these decisions for you because like any tool, for example, you can use a knife to cook food and make, you know, cut up meat and vegetables and whatever, or you could use a knife to hurt someone. So all these tools will always be there and it's sometimes useful to have them there. But if you don't control yourself, then that becomes an issue. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone and welcome to episode 6 of the IFG fortnightly news roundup and with us today is again the original crew from episode 1 we've got our investment associate Mohammed Al-Talaib and we've got Ibrahim Khan the co-founder of IFG and myself as the host Khizr Mohammed as the community lead so we've got a host of exciting stories for you guys today but before we do that Let's have a quick rapid fire round. Now, how this goes is I'm going to ask you guys questions, giving you two options. Just shout out immediately what your option is, right? Okay, ready? Ready. Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Coke. Pepsi. Seven up or Sprite? Ooh. Seven up. Not a fan of either, to be honest. Okay, tea or coffee? Tea. 100%. Yeah. I'm a coffee person. Eid al-Adha or Eid al- the other one? Eid al-Fitr. Eid al-Fitr, 100%. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Eid man. Eid, it's about... Interesting. Well, you can get Eid both, no? Okay. Or Donald Trump? That's a good one. Putin, man, all the way. I would say Putin, yeah. It's that shirtless picture of him on the horse, that's the one. Wasn't it? Putin, it has to be Putin, doesn't it? Right, that concludes the first round. We're going to do another one before the end and one in the middle too. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's mix it up a little bit. So let's move on. News stories for today. Ibrahim, why don't you kick us off with something that's really hitting us hard today? Well, nowadays in the UK. Yeah, it's uh, the gas prices. They've gone oh. up. Energy bills, sadly, have rocketed. Apparently, it's going to be anywhere between 70 and 250% when you go to get your energy bill renewed. It's going to cost you a ton more money. And for most people, hopefully, it doesn't completely break the bank because let's say I'm paying £100, it might go up to maybe 150 200 It's significant, definitely. But hopefully, for most people, they won't completely wipe them out. Mm. But for a bunch of people, they will be very, very taxing. And... I think you know that there are some ways that you can try and mitigate, but it's not a great situation. Something about you know cold winter. What was the reason? I think there's a bunch of reasons. Coronavirus hasn't really helped. I think that the winter that we had previously was pretty bad. Yeah. So a lot of the stock that we had that yeah. got used up. I think Asia has a big demand for this stuff now, and so that's led to a lot of the gas going in that direction. Mm. I don't think the Russian situation helped, and I think also there's been some outages at nuclear power plants, mm. uh, so that's taken things up. I think the wind has apparently been down, so oh, you know, man. so we've not had as much wind energy come yeah. through. Uh, yeah. So there's been a lot more leaning on that gas supply for our mm. energy. So yeah, a bunch of things I think. But you know what the silver lining here is? I think it's going to just accelerate the move to renewable energy. Even things like solar, people say it's going to take decades before it becomes to a cost price that is actually reasonable, but it's moved a lot faster than that. So um, I mean, that is the silver lining. But obviously, my bills at the end of the month are not going to look good. 
Yeah, for sure. I think one thing worth noting is particularly that it's not just these isolated gas prices that make a difference. Because when you look at us from the average person who's gone through the past two years of what we have, you know, many people have got unemployment. The universal credit 20 pound bonus that was put in place for coronavirus will now also be coming to a close. Mm. So that means people will be getting far less benefits. Mm. And on top of that, you know, the, the national insurance is set to increase as well. So all of these factors coming together means costs are rising yeah. on your average Joe. Yeah. And essentially, they're not getting more money in their pocket. So more people are suffering because of a cumulative effect mm. of all of these different you know, factors. And well, that's not a great thing. One other factor to add in there actually is the increase in rent prices. So, mm. I mean, COVID kind of dampened that. But now that COVID is over, I think see, everyone's trying to like push up. I mean, our own landlord... Um, try to p- put out flat on the market despite it wanting to continue because wow. they wanted that rent increase. Um, and now that they want to add this, the, these gas prices on top of that as well, uh, I think that's, I mean, it takes a big chunk of your you know, paycheck at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Agreed. I think there are ways to combat this as well. So there's been this scheme, this winter home grant that's being offered by some of the larger energy suppliers. Mm-hmm. So you should definitely look to see if you, you, know, you qualify for that. Mm-hmm. There is a warm home grant that the government gives as well. Mm-hmm. So people with, you know, on universal credit, job seekers allowance, pension credit, that sort of thing, they can often qualify for that. And with the pension stuff, it, it actually is automatically applied um, when you get your pension. So just double check on all of those things. I think a lot of people, they actually don't realize that they are eligible for certain benefits and social security, uh, universal credit, etc., etc. And, you know, Muslims have this uh, reputation as, you know, scroungers or, you know, they see that reputation as scroungers, which is not often wrong. But there are a bunch of uh, Muslims who perhaps could be getting more then or you know they don't even know that they could get it so for you guys you should definitely check it out even you know if you feel like oh, i wouldn't really qualify i work and mm-hmm. whatever you know if you if you're earning anywhere really under 50k and you you've got kids in particular or you've got some kind of disability or that's you know that kind of thing then you might well qualify for something mm. so definitely worth checking it out because it's only you know for you to lose the other thing that you could do is look at your energy company call them up and just say if they have, have they got any grants available sometimes energy companies have grants available and then perhaps the final thing you could do is go online and go on a comparison website and just check out the rates mm. and think about switching to the standard variable rate uh, with your energy supplier because Ofgem the energy regulator okay. they actually cap it so you know with the standard variable rate it can't go above a certain cap and actually that applies across the board so uh, if you switch to the standard variable rate at least it makes sure that you're always going to be at the cap Uh, you're not going to be going above that so um, so yeah there's a few i guess strategies that you can use to try and mitigate at least somewhat Mm. and obviously the basic advice is switch your provider every year yeah yeah what about like some sort of longer term strategies things like you know reducing your energy consumption in your house maybe insulating your house buying double glazed windows is the investment worth the return do you think yeah good question so 
definitely encourage people to um, do the quick fixes. There's a bunch of websites out there, so you can do like a little quiz, mm. and it will spit out some home improvements that mm. you can do. And some of them are actually paid for by the government. Oh, okay. Um, not all of them, but some of them. And particularly, again, if you are on some kind of credits mm. or you know social security pension that sort of thing, you could well get that paid for. And there's some high value stuff. There's some low value stuff. Yeah. Things like insulation is you know pretty high value. Double glazing is pretty high value so you should definitely consider that in terms of you know paying for it yourself this kind of thing is it's a bit of a strange one because it will pay back but it'll pay back in probably about five years time some mm. of it 10 years time mm. so it's that kind of you know myself speaking candidly i would do it if i had the cash flow and also i was planning to stay around in my house for a long period of time mm. sure you know it might lead to the house price increasing slightly but it's also cash flow loss as well. Yeah. So, you know, th this is, you know, me candidly kind of saying, I've decided to do some of the easy things, but not some of the harder things. Yeah. Like, I don't know, switching from gas supply to some kind of, you know, geothermal supply or something. Mm. 10, 15K for that. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. I mean, given that there's a lot of buzz around these big increases, maybe for people who are renting, you could use this as an opportunity to actually get your landlord to upgrade their property and tell them that, you know, this benefits him obviously long term, but also you. So, Take advantage of that. Crack on with the next story. So, there's a lot of buzz around BNPL, buy now, pay later, and a lot has happened recently. So, for example, we know that uh, Revolut Bank CEO has come forth and said that, you know, they're working on a checkout feature that allows people to split payments into three um, monthly payments, six monthly payments or 12 monthly payments, six and 12 monthly features having interest on them. We know Monzo and other banks are working on a similar thing. PayPal has acquired Japan-based Buy Now Pay Later provider Payd on for a whopping 2.7 billion. Well, Japan is also known as the third biggest e-commerce market, so that kind of makes sense. And we know that which has estimated that a third of UK consumers have already used Buy Now Pay, pay Later schemes. Have you used it? Yeah. I have. I actually bought a bike. You scumbag. <laughs> I, I've used it as well. Have you actually? Yeah. yeah. Really? Uh, it's not impermissible. Yeah, I know. It, well, if you don't get the late payments. Or the interest, right? So, like, I mean, Kalana, I used to buy myself a decent bike from Halfords because I wanted to cycle into work, which I didn't do today. But, you know, it's useful. But what about you, Ibrahim? Have you used it and yeah, often? Yeah. And Not often, but yeah, I've used it a few times, yeah. Mohammed, mm. never? I absolutely despise these companies. Really? So Klarna and all of them? Mm -mm. So many things wrong with them. One, it, it encourages consumerism and buying things you cannot afford. Two, their trap is to make sure that you fall into the late payments, not interest, the late payments, which is equivalent to interest in my opinion. And also... I think I can't remember the statistic now, but something like 20 to 30% of people who take out buy now, pay later, without them willing, without them thinking they're going to be doing it, they fall into late payments. So obviously, yeah. people are falling into the trap. And it's all about using these kind of nudges and human behaviors to encourage people to do things that they're not supposed to do and then fall into that debt trap, which I absolutely despise. This credit cards is wrapped up in a, in a millennial um, or nice digital uh, look. But do, you, we, do you not use credit card either then? I don't. And I mean, we can talk about this a bit later because I think we're going to talk about banks. I would only use a credit card to build my credit score, but no ways would I get a, a credit card for any other reason. Up to now, I haven't gotten one. And a big reason is that as well. Because it's just a temptation, you know, when you have the availability to spend, now maybe you'll be fine. But when that time comes, when you have a bit of a, you know, a crunch or you really want to buy something, you're like, ah, oh, well, okay, I'll just dip into it a bit and it'll come back yeah. at the end of the month. But then you fall into the cycle. Hmm. Yeah, I think like 
there's advantages and disadvantages to buy now, pay later schemes, similar to credit cards that, for example, there are months where you will suddenly have to make a big purchase and it might be necessary that you do it. And I'll use it as an example for, you know, I mean, this isn't relevant to us as Muslims, but for example, Christmas mm -hmm. is a time we know that many Britons will spend a lot of money because, you know, it's just a given convention. But, you know, what happens is that they save for so long and they spend it, but usually they have to use credit cards or other situations. But, you know, with buy now, pay later schemes, at least it's like intermanageable chunks. Yeah. These can be controlled via apps and stuff. And it's quite useful to manage if you're smart about it. But I do agree with you. It is one of those things that it's dubious in the sense that if you're not careful, you could trap yourself and really damage yourself quite seriously. Yeah. The thing is, though, I think there is something to be said about cash flow. I mean, if you think of, of a business, almost every business has a line of credit for their cash flow. And that's seen as a positive thing. And I encourage that. I think the issue with these people like Klarna and the buy now pay later is the way they've designed the applications for the almost like uneducated consumer. Like a business, you'll negotiate rates, you'll understand your limits, you have, you know, I mean, the company really looks at your business, how it's going, and they won't give you credit unless you have the money to pay it back. Whereas with the personal lending, it's mm. kind of the opposite. They're trying to like hide everything about their terms and kind of encourage you to spend more money than you have. And the average consumer doesn't read the fine print either. Exactly. So, so Neither can they but, negotiate their rates or but anything Muhammad, else. I mean, I get the fact that you're kind of anti-buy now, pay later and credit card. But my contention is twofold. One is that these credit card companies, as long as you on buy now, pay later, as long as you can control yourself and you are very confident on that, then what's the harm? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, the likes of Klarna and others have come out very consistently and said that we are much better than credit cards in that our business model really just, you know, they don't necessarily only get paid from the late payment fees. In fact, they don't really want to deal with that. Their model is that, you know, if you buy something for £100 from, I don't know, Tesco mm -hmm. and you use Klarna, then Tesco in the background is essentially paying Klarna a portion so maybe like 10 quid is going to Klarna yeah. and that's how they make their money. And Tesco are happy to do that because it means that they get an uplift in the number of people who are buying. Mm. So that's not Sherry compliant, by the way, unless it's structured in a Sherry compliant way. But that's between Klarna and Tesco. From our perspective, it's just 100 quid still and we just happen to be paying it in a different way. That's all. Mm. What's wrong with that? On the first point, you know, we just have to control ourselves. These companies design to make sure you don't control yourself. And we know through human behaviors that, you know, we think we're in control, but we really are not. Think of fast food, the way on the checkouts, they put like sweets on the way out. And nobody can control themselves. And there's so many psychological studies showing that we actually are not in control of what we do. So do you, uh, do you not use behavior. Tesco then? I mean, to be honest, like in the Tesco aisle, when they show the chocolates there, it's very tempting and I disapprove of it as well. But obviously, you have to use Tesco. I can't like ignore, close my eyes and ignore the sweet aisle <laughs> as much as I try to. That's on the first point. On the second what about point, advertising? Do you disapprove of Channel 4 or Sky when they cover yeah, you know, betting I mean, companies and <laughs> uh, even ice cream? They might have like an ice cream ad. I guess it's, it's about where you draw the line. Um, yeah. Betting, no. Ice cream, I mean, you know, it's bad for you, but okay, maybe you can accept it. I would put like the buy now, pay later, maybe not as betting companies, but you know, up there in terms of things that I think are should not be encouraged. I mean, I think on this that 
everyone knows their own kind of limit. Like for example, and this comes down to human behavior because we live in a world where there's so much variety and mass consumerism and materialism. Naturally, there will always be temptation. It will always exist for everyone in every sphere of whatever tempts you as a person. But then it's down to you as an individual of having that control and no one can make these decisions for you because like any tool, for example, you can use a knife to cook food and make, you know, cut up meat and vegetables and whatever, or you could use a knife to hurt someone. So all these tools will always be there and it's sometimes useful to have them there. But if you don't control yourself, then that becomes an issue. And I think one of the main issues with buy now, pay later is that there's not effective regulation for it. So for example, it's been seven months since the Woolard review of unsecured credit in the UK concluded that there's a, there's been a lack of buy now, pay later regulation. And they put in quotes, it's a very urgent matter. Yet, and the FCA shares the same sentiments, yet the government has failed to produce any kind of regulation. They've kind of come up saying that we're, you know, we're looking into it, but seven months is a long time. And in that time, we've now got about five or six big buy now, pay later companies, such as Klarna, ClearPay, LayBuy, OpenPay, and now we've also got banks like Monzo and Revolut and a few others. And I think this scheme is also coming up on Amazon and stuff. Yeah, I agree that there needs to be regulation around this. You know my historic views about regulators full stop. <laughs> I think they're very slow and often quite inept on these things. And, you know, they often end up targeting the wrong areas. This could be a ticking bomb because it is related to credit, it's related to retail and it's everywhere. Mm. Whereas instead, you know, the regulators are focusing on, I think, ancillary things that perhaps are not actually that important or mm. they're being very, I think, cack-handed in their handling of all of that stuff. Mm. And I think one reason why this matters is also because of what we've just discussed about gas prices and the cumulative effect of COVID-19 and what's happening in China. We've got yeah. supply chains that are currently not working properly. We're having supermarket outages. We're having everything that's going on with COVID, losing the national insurance payments. So people are pretty much being pressed down and being out of pocket. Now, when you've presented them with an opportunity to pay in parts, like Mohammed said, it's very tempting and it can really target people at a very vulnerable stage and trap them in a debt cycle, which is all the worse given the current situation mm. that we're in. And we might see this get worse if there's no effective regulation that's brought in. Mm. On that positive note, let's go on <laughs> to another quick fire round. Okay, Makkah oh. or Medina? I'm supposed to say Makkah, but I think Medina. Mohammed? Mm. To be honest, I really enjoy both of them. Like Medina is so serene, you just feel like at peace, whereas Mecca, you feel like that energy. Tropical island holiday or a nice icy, cold, Ooh. you know, mm. uh, ski holiday. Oh, well, ski holiday is always nice, but tropical island for me. Uh, I don't like holidays. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can vouch for that. <laughs> fair, fair. City or countryside? Countryside. Oh, city, I'd say. Bungee jumping or skydiving? Oh, those are both. <laughs> skydiving. I've done skydiving. People that have done both, they said bungee jumping is terrified because you're on this rope. Mm. And as you're falling, you're increasing yeah, and you just bounce back up. And then that creates mm. like, you know, like, you know, on a roller coaster when you come up mm. and then you go down. Yeah. And then as you're bouncing that, like, you know, you feel yeah, it. That. 
you're yeah, whereas that feeling only happens when you just roll out the plane. Interesting. Right. Okay, let's crack on to our next story. So, Mohammed, what have you got for us today? Yeah, in the world of digital banks, I feel we speak about this every week, but every week there's a new story coming out. Chase Bank, JP Morgan Chase of the US, largest bank in the US, has launched chase.co.uk, their digital bank in the UK. Interesting, they've chosen the UK as their target market. So, uh, yeah, they've essentially launched a digital bank. What's interesting, though, is they're launching it in their own brand name, not under some, you know, pseudo name. It's called Chase, and you can get a Chase card. Uh, I saw one of my friends already got one. You can be join, join the waiting list, chase.go.uk. I think what's interesting is I've always wondered why the traditional banks sort of did this, is that before, when they launched their kind of neobank version to compete with Monzo and everybody else, they would choose some name that is, I think they kind of thought was hip and cool, you know, kind of like uh, what the cool kids do, and they'd call them like Bo or some other weird name. Actually, Chase itself had their own digital bank called Finn in the US, and that completely failed. So it's interesting now that they've kind of relaunched this. I think they're doing the good job because what traditional banks have going for them is their brand name and the trust and reputation. So I think that's a good step. I think the fact that they've chosen the UK as, as a mature market, as a market that is used to accepting digital products, but is not as large as the US, uh, is a very good move. Where I think they may be going wrong is they have, I mean, they're clearly stated that we are putting hundreds of millions of, of pounds into this. We don't care about profitability. I think they're using that to kind of show that they are now also like a startup. But I think that is not the way to go about it because uh, what they're not focusing on is what is our value to the consumer compared to everybody else. You're going to chuck money at something and expect it to stick. But yeah, that's kind of the update. A few things to discuss on this. The first is that Goldman Sachs, the other investment bank, actually launched their digital bank, Marcus, about three years ago now. And they did quite well. They've had a couple of billion dollars in funds in their accounts. But what they didn't do was expand the services. They kind of just kept it as a savings account and used that money actually to go into their investment banking services. Uh, whereas Chase is kind of, I think their plans is to actually offer a range of um, personal services and be a fully fledged um, you know, retail bank. The second is that what Goldman Sachs and what Chase is doing is offering higher rates of savings. So I think they said 1.5% return on your savings account. Obviously, there's interest rate that is sort of impermissible Sharia compliant-wise, but you know, for the traditional financial user, that is very attractive in today's world of very low interest rates. So interesting, they've used that kind of angle to kind of attract customers. So it'll be interesting to see where this is heading, actually. So I was thinking that every week we see announcements of new banks coming up. And it was only maybe like, I don't know, 10 years ago that like there was no options. There was just the traditional Barclays, Halifax, Lloyds. And I went with Lloyds and they had an Islamic bank account at the time. But now all of a sudden we've had this flurry of like, you know, 10 or 15 companies that are now offering all sorts of banking services. And we've had Islamic ones that have come out and we've had normal ones, the challenger banks mm -hmm. um, and well, the Islamic ones count as both. Do we need this many banks? Like, is it necessary? Yeah. You know what I think? I think the challenger banks are going to be disrupted and they don't realize it. The real underlying play here is actually not the banks. It's actually, or even, you know, digital banks. It's actually moving towards social media, I think. And I think the social media companies are going to become the financial, the fintechs of the future. And you see people like really? Facebook already, like, very deeply looking and investing into this. And the reason for that is because these challenger banks, traditional banks, at least for the retail consumer, are struggling to find ways to monetize. And obviously the most straightforward way is through lending products. But they haven't found any 
unique take on how to evaluate somebody's credit. Nobody's really tackled the challenge. I mean, I just mentioned earlier, you know, for me to build up my credit score, I need to take out a credit card and actually borrow and pay back, which makes no sense. Surely, if I'm somebody who's never needed to borrow, I manage my money very well, and therefore my credit score should be quite high. But that's not the case. Whereas somebody like Facebook, for example, they will see your social reputation, if I call it that. Just like, you know, you are a lot more willing to lend to your family and friends because you know them and you trust them and you have these connections. Someone like Facebook, you know, has all this data on you and knows what you do and what you work as and how your social reputation stands. And they can leverage that in one way or another to then actually provide you funds. And I think that's actually where the real disruption is going to come. It may be a few years in the future, but I think up until now, digital banks haven't, besides, you know, a nice UI found that way to really stick to the consumer and if anything i think open banking has made it that it doesn't matter which provider we use our money's i mean i have four different accounts i can open one in an hour if, yeah. if not less so switching costs are incredibly low so i actually think the banks themselves are going to get disrupted unless they come up with something really unique that's an interesting take what do you think ibrahim yeah it's an interesting one i think this all this whole area is really commoditized as you said i'm intrigued by why Goldman Sachs made the move they did. Uh, so it's Marcus. It's a savings account initially. Yeah. I think it's still just a savings account. It is, yeah. They're really expanding it. I don't think they've done a bank. And Chase is coming in and, you know, they're doing this bank. But, you know, banks are really commoditized. They've it's always been very commoditized. And for them, it's, you know, it's like Pepsi and Cola. It's like a branding play on flavored water. <laughs> you know, you've got a card, you've got a current account, maybe a savings account. You've got like a few, you know, transferring uh, internationally, this, that and the other. You know, these are the, the basic components of, the, of a bank. Mm. And other than that, there's no real difference. Of course, you've got the UX, you've got the customer experience, all of that, you know, the soft stuff. But in terms of the core hard product, there's no real difference. Maybe this is like a long-term play because a lot of these banks, you know, they make a lot of money from wealth management yeah. and investment banking. Yeah. So they might be thinking that, you know, in the future, the retail investor will be disaggregating mm. away from these pooled vehicles. And actually, they will be going direct to the end source and mm. direct to the you know investor. And so if that thesis is true, then we as these kind of intermediaries that take on institutional money, we know we need to kind of diversify our risk and mm. tap into direct into the retail yeah. because ultimately that's where the money's coming from. I don't know. Well, I, I was thinking what is interesting about this is that we're currently going through this evolution of banking is what I'd say is that we originally had this very l legacy kind of old banking institutions like Lloyd's and Barclays and they had a very set way of doing things and for a while they were undisrupted, unchallenged. And suddenly challenger banks appear and they're doing things differently. And now the way that I see it is that because of this disruption, this volatility in the market, I think many other institutions have seen this as a time to make a play. Whether that play will pay off or not, we don't know, but I think it's a good thing in the sense that because there's now all these different banks that are trying to do things differently. For example, Revolut, I was listening to a podcast with one of their marketing managers. They're very focused on becoming this one-stop shop of all things financial services. Mm. So Revolut want you to be able to open a savings account, mm. a current account, invest in crypto, buy stocks, all from their one mm. platform. Mm. So they're very determined in that and all of this you know, every, each banking app or platform has their own kind of USP, 
But I think the disruption is good because it's forcing these old banking systems or old banks to really kind of advance. Whereas for a while they were just taking it easy. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, besides that longer term play that I said about the future of banks, I think one business model that is starting to be you know, prevalent and seems to be working is marketplaces. So because we have these all these new financial products that are available, because we have all these different kinds of banks, um, places which are aggregating or at least comparing between them as an entry point, I think those are platforms are going to do very, very well. Thank you, Mohammed. That was a really good point. And with that, we will conclude with a quick rapid fire round. All right, you guys ready for this? Let's do it. Let's all do right. it. Cats or dogs? Cats. Cats. Birds or fish? Birds. Oh, fish. I can't tell because like, you know, strapping a bird into a little cage. <laughs> Nike or Adidas? Nike. Yeah, Adidas. Adidas, really? Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, here's a better one. BMW or Mercedes? Mercedes. Mercedes, Mercedes really? Yeah, I'd go for a BMW no, any no, day. No, no. Okay, East London or West London? East oh. London. I go central. I've only lived ever in central. I don't like really? going either east or west, to be honest. Seriously? Yeah. You need to venture out more. You think? We see, if you choose one, kind of the other one is too inaccessible. Mm. Whereas when you're in the middle, you can kind of get both. And with that, let's conclude. Jazakallah <laughs> khairan, guys. That was a really interesting fire of rapid round questions. I feel like I've gotten to know interesting things about both of you. Um, partly disagreeable things, but you know. <laughs> but Jazakallah khairan to all you viewers that have watched the show with us up until now. And do let us know your thoughts about the stories or Ibrahim and Mohammed's questionable rapid fire decisions in the comments below. Look forward to hearing back from you. And until next time, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum.